If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language, Primo's. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language, Primo's. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. I thought I'd start with yeah. a, a, a sexist uh, joke there. There's got to be a study, right? <laughs> probably not enough sample. It's probably not a big enough sample size. No, but here's a fucking crazy thing. My buddy Blake Donahue just sent me a snap today of a blonde mallard he's seen. And I just messaged him and I was like, I sent him a picture of it. And I said, where did you see that blonde? He said, Forest Lake, which is as the crow flies, like, 20 miles away, maybe 15. He saw it in Forest Lake. Where would it? Like just a couple hours. Forest Lake? Just a couple hours ago. And he said there was a couple black ducks with it, a couple bands, and a pintail. Which, what? honestly, the, the pintail is the craziest one out of all of those. Wait a minute. Because Where is he seeing these birds? He said Forest Lake. Well, and, um, no... I just I've never seen another species besides a mallard or a black in the Minneapolis area in winter ever. Well, that's like my general area and I don't know where there's any open water near Forest Lake. Oh, there's open water. I mean, there's a mm. there's a residential aerated pond or there's a uh, retention pond next to a freeway somewhere, I'm sure, right? Uh, not that I know of, but I, there must be something holding them. There must be. Huh. Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And I was just talking to my dad, too. And I said, you know, as long as I can ever remember, we've had mallards that winter here in uh, the Fridley, New Brighton area. So that goes back to when I was like 12 or 13. Well, my dad moved to the, uh, to the area in like 1980. And I said, was there ever a time where that was a new thing to you? And he's like, no, as far as I can remember back, we've always had mallards in this area in the winter weird right it's like um what they're acclimated Every to because that, that big cold snap down in texas they had a bunch of birds die ducks die because of the cold really yeah like um on uh, instagram i think it was it was either plink the bander or 
birdieologist, one of those two, but they both do banding, obviously. Right, um, right. And they had just attached some uh, tracking, you know, backpacks or whatever, and then right before that winter storm hit, and they had a bunch die off already. Really? Yeah. So it's like they're acclimated to that warmer temperature down there. They get hit with what our local mallards deal with on a on the daily, and they just they can't hack it. But somebody else brought up a good point. I was talking to that might be the might not be the cold so much as food availability down there. Maybe it's a combination of both. Because once all the water froze, because all their ponds and people were ice fishing in Texas, so once everything locked up and they got snow, they couldn't get to any fields. They couldn't get to water to eat. Like they're kind of screwed. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I was just having this conversation with somebody else um, the other day that our wintering waterfowl, they don't seem like they're struggling. Like they they aren't like on death's doorstep, super skinny, just barely scraping by. by. They are fat. They are happy. They are healthy. Like they are doing 50 pound bags of corn in their yard. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I, I, I even on um. That last day of the goose season when I shot three birds um, and I had watched them in the spread for like a half hour, these things were nasty fighting. They were vocal. They were scraping. They were picking. They were brawling and like two geese teaming up on another goose and kicking its ass. I'm like, geez, these things must be starving. Huh. And then the, the three I shot and cleaned, they were fatter than shit. Like these things could have not ate for a month and been fine. And... I think it's the same with the mallards that are in my yard and that I see around town. They don't look like they're emaciated and unhealthy. They look like beautiful, adult, healthy animals. Yeah, I don't know if starving or hunger drives them to be assholes towards each other. Um, that hunt that, well, that hunt that we had a couple years back up in uh, Pine City area, mm-hmm. that, that great day of combination of like locals and, and mygs, and for sure mygs because – that last flock that hit the ground, like they would not leave. They hit the ground. They immediately started eating. Like <laughs> immediately. No fucks given. Feet hit the ground. They immediately started to graze. We chased them out. They flew. They kept trying to fly back. They were like in the field the whole time. We're picking up decoys. It was crazy. But they weren't aggressive towards one another. Not one another. And- They're just like, whatever. I ain't got time for this. I am hangry and I need to eat. And I always I'm I'm quick to dismiss people who say that aggression is a common characteristic of geese because it's not. You don't see geese fighting often like you'll see them fight you if it's springtime and they got a brood or occasionally you see that one asshole goose at the park that keeps chasing around the other one's tail feathers. Yeah, like, I yeah think, that, that I think goose is an asshole. I it's think like they're pretty one. territorial. But if you think about it, it's like they're more territorial when they have downtime. Like, when they have nothing so. better to worry about, they're not like, hey, asshole, you're in my bubble. <laughs> and, like, I, I was even talking to Raquel, who d- doesn't have a whole huge background on Canada goose biology um, coming from Panama. And I was like, it's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird how these fat bastards were, like, fighting each other over food. And she said one of the most insightful things. She was like, well, maybe they just they want it that bad. I was like, they are. They're like the fat kids. It's like all the fat kids. <laughs> it's all the fat kids that are fighting over birthday cake. Like there's well, a DQ treats a pizza and they want every 
skittle morsel they can get. Yeah, well, they didn't get fat from turning down morsels, so maybe that's what it is. You know, they're like, hey, I got this far. <laughs> right. But, man, like, I literally I was thinking, you like, I was literally thinking, like, and that it was it got so cold, and the roost had emptied out. There was only about 75 birds in the whole area, and these things were just brawling, fighting, hissing, running, scraping. I'm like, these things are about to die. They're from starvation. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Like, well, what the what the fuck are they fighting and being so nasty for? They're the fat kids, man. They just... <laughs> food source is just that good, I guess. <laughs> it didn't seem like they needed it. Um, for all three, and I shot. There was at least two subspecies that I killed out of those three birds. Sweet. Yeah, there's like oh, for sure like a. Uh, like a Churchill bird, and then one was a um, a local temperate nester. But I don't know, just thoughts. Also, I just looked up a straight line. Downtown Forest Lake to my house is 17 miles. I wonder if it's 17.8. I mean, that's nothing for a mallard to there fly in 20 minutes. There ain't nothing for a, for a mallard to fly that for show. Um, and that's you would think though that that mallard in Forest Lake wouldn't have to fly 18 miles to a food source in my that's front true. yard though. That's true. There's got to be somebody that's got uh, a bird feeder that they can knock over. Yeah. You think, you, if there's that many birds that your buddy saw him in Forest Lake, somebody's got to be feeding them too. I mean, they would have you to. know what though? Uh, actually, I talked to my dad earlier today, and he was saying that a bunch of Tweety birds showed up between yesterday and today. And uh, there was literally just like 200 mallards in my front yard. Like, I think a bunch of birds might just be new in the area. That could be. There must have been a migration overnight or between yesterday and today. We've got a lot of new birds around. Definitely warmed up. We're going to be seeing more and more of that. Uh, Those snow geese have got to be on the move. You would think. They they have been smashing them down there in Arkansas in that snow. That snow had them fucked up. They were just like, they didn't know what to do. They couldn't go further I south. I mean, there was nothing they could have done. I know they were just smashing, like, even, like, darks in Kansas all the way to the end on February 14th. And I, honestly, I wouldn't have predicted it have gone that well as it did for those guys down there. Um, I think uh, I was talking to Graham Gresseth with Maxed Out, and he said some of the some of the guides were saying, let's cancel our haunts, you know, when they saw the forecast. Like, what are we going to do? And what they did was fucking crush for, like, a week straight and shiver. So yeah, I don't think they look, were expecting it either. It did look awful cold. Yeah, it did. But you can be cold when you're putting, you know, you're having 100-plus bird days. So they're probably right. too mad at it. There is no snow in the Dakotas. Yeah, I mean, though, I just I just got off the phone with Dean today uh, from Premier Flight kind of coming up with the game plan and looks like I'll be headed <clears throat> down there to start setting spreads um like the 8th so the 8th of March March um but doesn't Dean run uh Arkansas hunts yeah he's actually driving back from Arkansas when I talked to him all right you didn't have any interest in going down there huh uh not this year cuz my last ice fishing tournament was February 28th so ah, kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of couldn't. So yeah, I'm looking at today's snow map right now, and there's a little chunk on the east side of Nebraska, pretty much from the north border to the south border. All of Iowa's covered up, and then that's about it. A little bit in the northeast corner of South Dakota and Sioux Falls. Yeah, a little bit up in central North Dakota, but damn. Yeah, I heard. Um... 
or not heard, I guess I would say I read uh, on the old Book of Face. Someone said they start, they were seeing them in southern Indiana, I think. Pushing, okay. Pushing north. So they'll be, they'll for sure be in Mount City by this weekend. I heard you give a little uh, advertisement for Charleston today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool dude. Place. It actually made me uh, Google uh, South Carolina waterfowl regulations. <laughs> Have you ever looked uh, it up? Um, I, a little bit, not a lot, because my nephew's there, and he's always looking for places to hunt out there. A lot of it is like, um, I don't know how much they have for public stuff. A lot of it is um, like uh, rice paddies and stuff like that, so private, either people that have like planted it, like private, you know, flooded fields or actual rice farms. From what I understand, that's where most of the ducks hang out. However... If you had any interest, you could get on a late season Buffy smash down there pretty good. I've oh, been, really? I've been out there fishing for reds before, and the sound would just be shit stack with Buffies everywhere. In fact, they were there when I was there this this last time. Of course, nothing was open, but um, season wise, actually, there was. I saw a bunch of mergansers, saw a bunch of Buffies. There was a handful of bluebills. Um, looked like a bunch of ruddy ducks. Mm-hmm. Kind of a little mix of, of everything. Didn't see any puddlers, though. It was all diver ducks. Huh. Well, see, here's the thing about when somebody says um, there's not a lot of places to hunt and blah, blah, blah. It's a lie. And uh... <laughs> Well, I personally haven't looked into it. Like, this is coming from my nephew who, you know, I don't know how, how uh, dutiful he is about researching places. Well, you know what? Somebody said that to him. Somebody smart told them that. And that's what I say <laughs> to everybody who's ever like, how is the hunting there? I'm like, you know, it's tough. There's really not any public spots to go. Uh, permission is tough. A lot of leases, a lot of leases, especially around the water, you know, where the yeah. waterfall are. You know, it's just, it's hard. It's not. I will say this <laughs> from the people that I've met and the good old boys and the rednecks down there. Duck hunting isn't real big in South Carolina. That could be just the thing you need. Yeah, I mean, it could be a sleeper state. Who knows? Um, I've heard uh, that a lot of birds don't make it that far. Like, that's like the mallards and that don't ever make it that far. Like, North Carolina seems to be, like, Outer Banks, the big giant salt marshes. I think that's where a bunch of the eastern flyway snow geese spend their winters. So they don't even make it down into South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if it was South Carolina or North Carolina, but did you ever catch on my Snapchat where I was posting the satellite transmitter studies from there? Uh, that might have been North Carolina. I think it might have been North Carolina, but it's really interesting how the widgeons all, like, cut across Minnesota in, like, a... Yeah, I do remember south, that. ...southeast and northwest. Um, I'm pretty sure that was North Carolina, and it could be wrong, but I, I think I remember that being the case. And that's that's probably why there isn't that many duck hunters in South Carolina. It's like ducks either stop before they get there obviously not all of them i mean i personally i've seen diver ducks at least and then the rest probably go to florida you know oh shit dude here i've just found some data from the what is this from south carolina dnr waterfall management areas weekly waterfall harvest report november 21 2020 i guess it's just for one week so they've got one two three four four wildlife management areas on here 
and it has total harvest and number of hunters, ducks per hunter, 4.8. That's pretty good. That's fucking crazy good. That's, That's some good. of the that is good public hunting. 4.8 for just I mean, you got to assume the people going out there are just average everyday duck hunters. You're going to get a mix of good hunters and a mix of bad hunters. Right. I've seen some California ones that were up around 5 or 5.5, but 4.8 has got to be some of the highest bird per person averages in the country. That's pretty good. Probably, I bet they don't get a bunch of pressure would be my guess from what I've heard. Shot, <laughs> they've got shots fired. Shots fired. 528. That's nothing. For 134 birds. That ain't bad. That's nothing. <laughs> Motherfuckers are shooting skeet down there. Yeah, this is some high, <laughs> some high uh, percentage duck hunts down there. Let's see what species they got. Woodies. A, I know a they lot get of ducks. A lot of blue wingers. Okay. A lot of blue wingers. A lot of ringnecks. Okay, few those, are, both of those are headed to Florida, more than likely. Ultimately, couple, their final destination. Green wings. Couple green wings. Uh, one mallard. <laughs> oh. No wood ducks, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. This is just for one week. Right, right, right. I guess. I don't know. That's cool, though. I love it when states um, publish this shit. Huh. That's interesting. And that was in November, you said? Oh, yeah, it was. Hmm. Well, the wood ducks be gone by then. I suppose you're right. But wouldn't the blue wingers be gone by then? Um. Oh, shit. That's the earliest one they have. Let's see. Uh, oh, shit. The season summary. Boom. All right. For the entire season, three ducks per hunter. That's good. Yeah, not bad. 2,000 total ducks, 10,000 total shots. <laughs> <laughs> That's some cool stuff. How do they know that? They must have check stations. God, they must. Some places do. I mean, there's only oh, there's only uh, this for the total uh, season. They've got about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like shots, ten locations. The shots is an interesting metric. Like, why did they? Hmm. Why <laughs> they gotta put their hunters on blast like that? <laughs> no shit. But let's see the species breakdown here. We got uh, 65 mallards out of all of them. A lot of blue wing, a lot of shovelers, a lot of green wing, a lot of gadwall. 126 model ducks. Um, really? 60, I thought those six, were just Florida deal. 66 wood ducks, um, which is they're shooting double the amount of model ducks that you thought, you know, Would compared to woodies, the, a species yeah. a species you thought was more prevalent. Yeah. Two tree ducks. Sweet. Yeah, that is fucking cool. So, and also since this is broken down week by week by week. You can look at those weeks and be like, "Well, that definitely seems to be the peak." And well, if you want to make a like, tri- if you want to make a trip next year, we have a place to stay. Well, did this inadvertently turn into a South Carolina <laughs> website? Uh, another, um, another South Carolina commercial. A South Carolina commercial, yes, but also another in our long-running series of state opportunities. Oh, sure, why not? Might as well get into it. <laughs> we, were, we already went down that route. <laughs> Shit, we're already like 20 minutes in this podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little late to start now. Dude, no Canada geese. That's a fucking bummer. I no honestly, snow. in my travels no. there, I can't tell you that I've ever seen one anywhere. On a lawn, okay. golf course, anything. In South Carolina, huh? Oh, I did see some, though. 
in the uh, in North Carolina because we took a this very last trip we took a day trip up to well an overnight trip I guess we went up into the mountains in Asheville and on the way there there was we stopped at a, a lake t- um, to have lunch and there was uh, some geese out there not a lot but there was a handful <clears throat> of them I went down uh, just to take a little weekend getaway trip with the wife I went about 45 minutes south of across Wisconsin on the Mississippi River up in like the crazy hills mm-hmm. and we just spent a few hours driving around on saturday and i was positive i was going to find some hawkers i did not huh. and i found swans and i found some mallards uh some black ducks that's kind of weird that you saw uh ducks but no geese that's what i thought mm. um where did you say you went to uh what was Asheville. that amazing town Asheville, north carolina but south carolina is or uh, charleston south carolina is the great charleston town. yeah that's the amazing town honestly oh, i'm right. literally thinking about like, raquel taking a trip would there. love it you think so oh yeah just the kind of the way you were describing it i was like yeah, it does sound like a good couples type of uh it's yeah you get a place right downtown you can walk anywhere you want or obviously uber or lyft or whatever um, but it's super like downtown's on an island. It's super cool. That's just a cool place. Downtown's on an island. Mm-hmm. It's technically an island if you look at it on the on the the map. It's basically the, two rivers that kind of cut it off from the mainland. I'm looking at birding's reports from uh, South Carolina too. Here's a 406 Canada geese. That was three days ago. For South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Down huh. by Norfolk, Norfolk. in Hampton. Hmm. I'm I totally Norfolk, unfamiliar. No, there was Is a Norfolk, Virginia? South Carolina. Am I in Virginia? Maybe I crossed the borders. I totally am looking at North Carolina Virginia border. I'm an idiot. <laughs> 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 Here's some Charleston. Uh, I guess I start. I start scrolling on that map, man. I get lost quick. Yeah, it's easy to do, and the, it kind of it's a little different here in the Midwest. You know, we we think so like linear up, down, east, west as far as like state borders, but down there because the East Coast runs northeast, it it screws with my brain all the time. Like there, you can drive straight west to get to Georgia, which doesn't in my mind, you know, Georgia's south of South Carolina, which technically it is. But the way the land runs, it's like if you drive west, you'll run into Georgia. So it's kind of weird. Same thing if you with North Carolina. If you drive northwest, you end up in North Carolina too. Kinda that is weird. weird. Does that have something to do with the map being two-dimensional? Could be. I think it's just the way the rivers are, or the way their borders are made. They're just kind of weird. Yeah. Raquel said something else that blew my fucking mind and i don't know why uh it just shows you how unworldly i am like i was saying like oh it's nice that we're getting uh, some late sunsets now like it's bright till 6 30 at night now instead of 4 30 and she's like yeah it's kind of crazy how that goes because in back at home it's the sunset and sunrise is the same time every day I'm like no it's it's not you're just stupid um <laughs> oh, she's close to the equator it's the same <laughs> i know and i looked it up to prove her wrong and i was like holy shit it really doesn't change all year all right. round she's gonna, like yeah it's like if you go to charleston or anywhere there is tide tidal waters along the coast now i got something here's a little tidbit you can blow people's minds with technically the waters don't rise and fall 
the okay. earth moves into the water. Okay, hold up. Yep, it's hurting. It hurts that front <laughs> left part of my brain a lot. Um, I just learned this this year myself. Thanks, Neil. So the waters, because the waters are staying the same. So the, it's yeah, actually the, the magnetic the, pull from the it's moon. The Earth's, it's the Earth's crust that's shifting well, on the, the water. The Earth itself. So as the Earth is spinning, right? So the Earth yeah. is spinning, and the tides are. You know, in my mind, it was always taught, like, the earth causes the tide. So as the moon comes around, you know, it's like, oh, it pulls the water. But it's always pulling the water. So as the earth turns, the earth turns into the water that's already pulled. And so as it, oh. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's kind of like almost like a cup of water. You twist the cup, the water doesn't twist. Right. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's stupid too. But it, I mean, when you're on the water, <laughs> it's so hard to 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 visualize that because you're like, no, dude, it's dropping. I can watch it. I can watch the water drop. I watch the water come up. But it's the whole entire Earth moving into the stretched out, elongated yeah, that, water bubble. I think we I think we got to end the podcast there because that's <laughs> that's all the IQ uh, stretching and flexing I got for the day right there. I mean, so we talked about uh, like migrating to... migrating waterfall and now this it's, it's too much. Like time time think... doesn't change on sunset in Panama. You know what also be weird though with the tides is hunting. Like if you were to go after those buffies, like literally, you, I just don't know how you do it unless you can hunt out layout boats. Like if you're hunting on shore, shore changes by like a lot. As the but it changes slowly, right? It's enough pretty, to have a couple hours in the morning. Pretty, yeah, but even in that couple hours, you're gonna see a marked difference depending on which you know. If you have a steep bank, yeah, not so much. But here's the other thing. If you have a steep bank, chances are you're in a channel, and that current is going to be ripping. So you better have some serious decoy weights. <laughs> and I think I've seen a bunch of people make posts about how they got caught when the tide left, and like, oh, great, uh, let's call the wife. I'm going to be home in 12 hours when my boat floats again. Uh huh. Yeah, that's happened to us. We try to get into too skinny water to chase some fish, and next thing you know, we're like, and we're stuck. No kidding. And uh, so we're going to have to wait a good three, four hours. Because, I mean, generally you only get stuck, unless you're being a complete moron, at dead low tide. So okay. So once you're at dead, it's going to start, you know, you got about an hour, it's going to start coming in again. Okay. Yeah, it starts creeping up before it gets back to high. Mm -hmm. There's a little transitional period. It's yep. not instantaneous. Yep. And generally, you know, depending on the boat you're in and, you know, how buggered you got, it only, you know, you only need three inch, three, four inches more water for you to start floating and you can get yourself out but i was talking to a guy who guides duck hunts uh out in the ocean and i think it was either new jersey or new york and he's like yep i grew up in that area i know the tides i know where to hunt he's like pretty much we shoot the guns every day kill about a band a week i don't have to lease land from anybody to hunt and i just gotta um make sure the clients don't die and that's it <laughs> <laughs> like so that's what they're paying you for is to take them on a boat and make sure they come back alive. And he's like, that's right. So I'm. They, you have to have a captain's license to do that. Yes, you do. And he's just like, well, that's what I got my captain's license for. I'm like, son of a bitch. Isn't that the best guide um, job that I've ever heard yeah, of in my that's life? That's pretty sweet. Where are we going to hunt tomorrow? Mm, somewhere free. Where are we going to do scout? <laughs> Not really. Nope. No. 
hunts at end at 11 a.m. Bitch. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say, like the the birds that I've seen on the water, like they don't really move much. I mean, it, like the days I was out there, the big rafts are in the same spot every time I see them. So you could... But divers do have natural like resting and feeding areas similar to like a Canada goose or a mallard, right? Uh, sure. I don't I know that do. for a fact, but it makes sense. I mean, I do know I got screwed one year here in Minnesota. Not really screwed, but the, I would just say the hunt didn't work out. So I was scouting the day before, found this lake. It was absolutely shit stacked with divers of all makes, colors, models. And it was a bunch of wild rice. You know, it was a shallow, like, wild rice thing. Had access to it. I was like, this is sweet. I'm going to smash tomorrow. I set up. All the birds got up and left. Okay, they probably went out to go feed. They went out to go feed. But what's wrong with that lake? There's, like, wild rice everywhere. It's nice and shallow. There's weeds everywhere. Like, Never know, dude. No reason for them to leave, but apparently there was because they did. And I could hear nobody on the lake was shooting shit. A couple random shots here and there, but you could hear shots not far away. So apparently other people were on the feed. Did you wait it out until they returned? No, I did not. Ooh, I wonder how good it got. Yeah, it could have got it could have got <laughs> juicy. It would have been like an afternoon hunt or a midday hunt, probably. Would have made, you know. Some and sense. I have a buddy who uh used to get after the divers hard on Lake Osakis. And um he said that's what they do is they'd go scout. And what that meant was just, you know, find out where they're rafting, follow them out to go feed. And then there's a law that you have to be concealed by natural vegetation, um, yeah. Vegetation in Minnesota. And so he said they would there was normally always like one cattail they could find, you know, a little scruff of cattails, like, like in the feeding area. And that's where they'd set up. They just set up an open boat with like one or two cattails over the bow and they would crush them. Yeah. Well, it looks like they might get rid of that law. So we'll have to worry about it. I know that would be awesome. I would love to be doing some body booting. Have you heard what's going on in Maryland about that? Uh, No. Okay, I don't have the information, but there's a a regulation going through their Congress right now or something that's going to either make everything but body booting illegal or make body booting illegal or make open water hunting illegal on the Puget's not the Puget Sound, on the Chesapeake Bay or something. So, what the hell? You explained this to me before, but I already forgot. What is body booting? Body booting is where you wear a dry suit and you would be in a spread of, I guess, anything. But a lot of people are using V-boards, especially on the East Coast. Okay, so you're just like chest deep in water, standing in the decoys pretty much? I would say probably like dick deep at the most. Kind of like, and then you have one of your, uh, so you're in a bunch of silhouettes and you've got one silhouette that's on a, um, it pivots around a center post. And you have like a shell box and a gun holder on it. So you can like, you can move that 360. You just hide and behind sti- that silhouette. Hide, hide behind the silhouette, exactly. Nice. And uh, sounds fun. It's like the aquatic version of the uh, cow decoy. For, kind uh, of, yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds like so much fun. Except for like, cold, I hate cold water. Well, that's what the dry suit's for. You wouldn't be How cold. well do those work? I'd Probably pretty people. good because all your scuba divers use it for under ice diving. So I, I would think pretty good. How much do they cost? It's probably more than a thousand dollar pair of Sitka waders. A, a lot. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a lot. An uninsulated <laughs> pair of Sitka waders. Yeah. Probably five grand for one of those suits. You're buying it used on 
for like two grand. It's filled with somebody else's dick sweat. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, buy it from a chick then. I mean, there's chick <laughs> scuba divers. I mean, if the dick sweats, <laughs> that's the yeah, thing that's creeping you out. <laughs> a little V-sweat then instead. A little V-sweat doesn't phase you one bit. Whatever. <laughs> Not if I'm smashing ducks. <laughs> but how cool would it be to kind of be in your spread? That of would be open pretty. Water? That would be a different uh, experience for sure. You'd feel naked. Yeah, in your spread of open water, um, Canada goose silhouettes, and they're just decoying right, like trying to land amongst you. That would be so cool. That would be pretty wicked. I wonder what they're using for camel. You think you'd have some sort of like water camel, like more for fishing than you would, you know? You know what I mean? Like a gray. Like a gray like a... and blue or, you know, wavy lines kind of a thing. I would think so, yeah. I mean that Or what about make, a goose suit? That would make more sense. Yeah, or that or just black and white suit. <laughs> random black and white suit, I bet would work just fine. Or that hoodie with that actual print of a there you goose go. on it. And <laughs> yeah. then your buddy shoots you in the face because he's an idiot. Who is that? There actually was a goose suit somebody made. For like doing layout hunts, and yeah. Sean Hammock used to have one. I think, I think Randy Bartz might have made it. The Flag Man. And wasn't there an actual like like goose on like the head of it, like a hat you would wear? Like your there head was would that stick hat. Up? There was that hat, and that was sold in the back of Wildfowl Magazine forever. <laughs> <laughs> he had that silly ass picture of a dude. And every like year, I'll see somebody post or send me a snap where the, them and all their buddies bought them. So that guy's probably selling the fuck out of them to this day. <laughs> <laughs> they probably smash with them. It's like the best kept secret in Waterfall. Probably. Like, like, let everybody how- let everybody laugh at you. Who cares? Do we wear these things? And they literally land on our boot. Boot bags. You know yeah. what? I'm finding out there's a lot of things people laugh at you at that uh, really do work good. I'm sure. And also, I always thought Randy Bartz was the craziest motherfucker in Waterfowl, but that's that's probably me now. And the funniest thing about it is I hate flags. <laughs> Randy used to have a flag that would attach to his gun barrel so he could flag all the way down. Jesus. He used to sell steaks for Bigfoots that would elevate them above prairie grass, which I'm not thinking that's so dumb anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do they know how deep the grass is? I bet dude, you could, I've heard I bet of you dudes, could fool them. I've heard of dudes going out and setting up a spread on like three foot stakes above standing beans, standing soybeans. Oh my God. Think of the hide; it would be so good. The hide would be so perfect. You need, <laughs> you would for sure need a dog. Oh yeah, you're not finding those. No, definitely not. But I've heard of guys that fucking shot limits doing that, man. <laughs> sure, I believe it. <laughs> I think. I mean, but here's the thing: I don't. You'd have to do one of these experiments because who knows what the actual efficacy of that is? Or it's like, did they just get that day where I know they were in a good area? Birds commit suicide. You know, like there's been those days. We've we've but, talked about it numerous times on this podcast. Where like you're at the truck, uh, yeah, everybody's yeah. standing around. There's three trucks in the field, and geese are just finishing. You're like, what? But <laughs> one thing I can say for sure is they were running traffic. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, well, they're not. There's no geese going to the yeah, standing not, field well, in September. <laughs> that's not true. I remember scouting, and there's a there's a field right in town here, standing beans. And geese were dumping into it, and you could just seen, you could just see their heads sticking out above the stalks. You're like, what the hell? I've seen that too, but not in September. When um, was yours? It might have been late September. It was. It wasn't late. It was early. Hmm. Green, all green beans. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I've seen them do it, but it's 
not super late, but kind of transitioning, like maybe not when all the beans need to get cut, but they're thinning out a little bit. I wouldn't say I've seen was... them. I'm for sure seeing them standing in in green beans though, for sure. Yeah, it's it's, cra- it's weird. It's a little weird. Do you think they're in there eating beans, or do you think they're in there eating insects? Probably bugs. Probably. I would. Say or whatever else bugs. we can't think of. Or they're grasses. Or they're eating beans. Weeds in there. Or they're just like they're doing the. They're just loafing in there. Maybe they're just chilling. Maybe they're just chilling, man. Like just standing around. Yeah. Actually, the ones that I seen kind of actually did look like they're foraging for sure. The uh, I guess I didn't watch these that long, but it didn't. They all I saw was a bunch of heads sticking up, so they weren't actively feeding. They were. I don't know if their heads were up because there was incoming geese and they were all yelling at each other and jacking for position or what they're doing. But they weren't feeding. At least, well, I guess I don't know. There could have been some feeding head down. I wouldn't have been able to see them because the only ones Uh-oh. that were standing up like sentries could I see their heads poking out. So. Well, it's getting pretty rambling. Should we end it? Pretty rambling. <laughs> we've covered a lot of subjects in this one. This one's been pretty good. But, and we've um, done like 40 episodes of rambling. Uh, that's what we do. Dude. Perfect. Yep. I love it. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.